morning again. I want to say thank you, Ruth. Thank you for leading us this morning. Thank you for opening the door so that we could go in. Thank you. Thank you. And for everyone who joined us this morning, I just want to say welcome again and thank you for joining us this morning. Today is joy. T today the theme is joy. Mine eyes have seen the king. And Ruth mentioned earlier that joy is a inward reality resulting in our outward lifestyle. So what you're experiencing now, your outward lifestyle, is a result of your inward reality. Joyless lifestyle, inward reality. Joyful lifestyle, inward reality. And so this morning I see it as a privilege to be able to share with you what I sense God has placed on my heart. The title of my message this morning is Joyous Worship. Joyous Worship. Joyous Worship, as I said earlier, is what you and I will experience or have been experiencing as a result of what is happening on our inside I just want to share my my topic with you joyous worship the scripture I'll be reading from this morning if you grab your iPad iPhone Androids Bible we'll be reading from it's also on the screen I hope it is large enough for you to read it Matthew 2 verses 1 to 12 and I will be reading from the New International Version so you can do one of two things. You can grab any method of um, that you want to be reading from or you can be looking on the screen if it is large enough for you to see it. And it reads as follows. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will, who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out that from them this exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report him to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose 
went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route or route, depending on your pronunciation. And so, Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that no one speaks better than you do. I thank you, Father God, that it is your word and it is your word I desire to speak on your behalf. So, Father, I thank you for your empowering this morning. I thank you that your word, as your, your word said, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that which you desire for it to accomplish. So, Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that there be something that each person will leave with something because you would have spoken to their hearts. And so, Father, I give you thanks and I bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to watch a very short video, about two minutes long, it's so long, and then after that you will hear from me. There's a point where persons will even try to stop you from having joy, which we saw in the video. And I wondered when I saw it, why would they have stopped him? Why would the two women be trying to stop him at different times from dancing or from whatever he was doing? And I also wondered, what was God's heart towards him while he did what he did? And many times we fall into one of those. We are either those who are stopping persons from being joyous or we are the ones who are being stopped from being joyous for various reasons. And so this morning I want you, as I speak to you this morning, I want you to, to think about that video. And the question I would love for you to answer, would anyone visit, visiting us on Zoom this morning be able to figure out from your worship that you are a joyful worshiper. Will anyone or would anyone visiting us this morning be able to figure out from the way you worshipped earlier 
that you are a joyful worshiper of God. As Ruth mentioned earlier, joy is an inward reality manifesting or resulting in an outward lifestyle. Joy, she also mentioned, is different from happiness. Actually, joy is not an emotion. It is an inner gladness and pleasure which results naturally from an inner assurance and confidence in God that is that irrelevant of all the circumstances that you find yourself in. Joy will flow out. And when I looked at that guy dancing, I realized that at a point they, when they pinched him or they pulled his shirt, he stopped. And they pulled on him again and he stopped. But there was a point where his inward reality could not be contained. No amount of pulling and pinching and stopping could stop what was flowing on the inside of him. And this morning I ask you, what has been your hindrance? What has hindered you from worshipping God the way he is to be worshipped? What, what, what is, what is the, 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 the damp cloth on your joy this morning? What would cause you to come this morning not being joyful? Joy is also one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit which he produces in the believer. And when you look in the Old Testament and the, and the New Testament, joy speaks of victory. Because it's the ability to overcome and to be joyful. It is the ability to express emotion, not even emotion, but to express pleasure and gladness despite your circumstances. Believers in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 are instructed to be joyful always. So in essence, Paul is saying to you and I this morning, if it is something that he's saying, commanding us to do, it means that joy is also a choice. I choose to be joyful even when life is difficult. I choose to be joyful rather than to be lonely. I choose to be joyful rather than to be sad. And as Ruth mentioned this morning, morning, joy is not a replacement of sadness. Joy is saying, despite what is happening around me, I will be joyful. On the other hand, worship is an expression of reverence and adoration, which may imply soberness, and silence. But you and I, Aram, when we conclude that for, for worship to be reverent, it must be somber in our response to God's holy presence. Worship is a celebration that can be both reverent at, and at the same time joyful. Because it is very unlikely that someone who is joyful does not express their joy. So why are you not offering joyous worship to God? Is it because you are not joyful this morning? From the text I read this morning, I recognize that joyous worship requires a willingness to go the distance, to be free. And that is what that guy did in the video. He was able, he, he, he understood for, me to, for him to dance the way he danced. 
he had to ignore the pulling on his shirt or the pinching that he may have been receiving. He had to, to, to shut out everything that was happening around him to express what was happening on the inside of him. He had to go beyond his comfort zone because it, the reality is after that song, after that service, he may have had to deal with the, 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 a conflict. Why were you behaving like that in church? It is so out of character. It is not the way we behave in church because church, we are to be composed. That shows reverence. And many of us were taught that that's the way we show reverence by being composed. But as we read the scripture, the wise men, the Magi's showed in, in, in Matthew 2, 1 to 12, showed otherwise. They traveled thousands of miles to be joyful. They traveled thousands of miles to joyfully express their reverence and adoration to the one who has been born King of the Jews. Going meant that they had to ignore the judgment of others and not be concerned with how they were perceived. They had to be willing to abandon caution and you and I have to be willing to abandon caution to be free. Because we cannot worship many times because we are in bondage. We are in bondage to what people may think of us. We are in bondage to what people may say to us or say about us. And we are kept like in a, in a vice grip. Having been free on the inside, but our real, you know, on our lifestyle, we cannot portray what we are experiencing because we are overly concerned about what others are thinking. Going meant that they had to be willing to follow a star without understanding or knowing the destination with the limited knowledge they had. However, they were going the distance to worship and God's people were speculating. When you looked at the scripture this morning, it's, it's, it says, while they asked the question, Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem were disturbed. So Herod and the people, the chosen people of God were disturbed. They had lacked the knowledge of who the Messiah was and how he was to be worshipped. And as a result, they were unwilling to go beyond their cultural norms and traditions to be free to go the distance, to freely express joyous worship at the birth of the Messiah. You may have had an idea of how God is to be worshipped and we grew up in different homes and in different denominations that tells us how to worship. But we may just be missing the knowledge because we are steeped in tradition and steeped into cultural norms. Going the distance to freely express joyous worship to God may be just a distance travel for some of us. It may be from our head to our hearts. It may just be enough to have a renewed mind. 
And in Philip, in Romans 12, 2, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you're able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. In Ephesians 4, 23, Paul instructs believers and he said, you should you be made in the attitude of your mind so that you can go beyond where you are. Go beyond the thing that has held you captive. Go beyond the thing that has kept you bound. For some, going the distance to worship may mean that instead of sitting and observing others while you hum a song, you are to allow yourself to be free to express passion for God by abandoning Everything you know, everything you were taught, everything that you once believed about worship. Imagine a couple who has no passion for each other because at some point along their journey of their marriage, they lost the passion or they never had it. What do you think happens in a marriage where a couple no longer feels passionate about each other. Think about it. So if you come to worship and you're passionless, what will you think? What will happen in that marriage? So we have some who need to throw caution out. We need, we, there are some who need to be able to express passion for God. But there are others who will claim as I speak that I am calm in my demeanor. And I may be inexpressible or unexpressive. So how do you respond when your favorite team scores or win a match? Do you sit and hum a song? Or do you jump up and scream? What about the enormous pay increase or when you land the new job? Do you celebrate and excitingly tell those closest to you or do you sit at home? And think about it alone. How do you react when, you're when you see your favorite celebrity? Do you strain and stretch to touch them? What about when you hear about the success of your children, your friends, your nephews and your nieces? A friend of mine sent me a video Friday. She heard that her, her niece did very well in her, in her, in her results, her exam results. And she was there dancing, dancing. No music, but she was dancing because she was rejoicing. So do you sit and quietly think about these moments? Or do you express it? Or does your lifestyle, your body language show that you are joyful? The problem is not that you and I lack the ability to show or to be expressive. The problem is that you and I may not be excited about God enough. And I will repeat. The problem is never your calm demeanor. The problem is not never your unexpressive or inexpressive lifestyle or personality. The problem is that you and I are not excited enough about God. If you and I stop to focus on the greatness of God and keep in remembrance all the things he has done for us, you and I would have had no problem 
expressing joyous worship to him. Let us look at the shepherds in Luke 2, 17 to 20. After they saw the newborn king, they were so excited that initially they, they, when the angels appeared to them, they were afraid. And they were told, do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will be for all people. And after they heard, they were so excited that they went, they spread the word concerning the child and they went to see this newborn child. They were so excited that everyone who heard responded in an amazement. So if they went and they said, okay, the newborn king is born, that would not evoke any response of excitement. But they themselves would have had to be excited. The newborn king is, a, is born. The Messiah is here. The Messiah that we have been waiting for is here. And it's out yeah. of their excitement. Out of their jubilant mode. That those who heard responded in amazement. The question I ask you this morning, I will ask you again. If someone came to the Zoom, Zoom chat or the Zoom time with us for the first time and they observed you, will they walk away thinking that you are joyous in your worship to God? Or would they see a lifestyle that is lackluster? The shepherds returned home glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. The Lord is pleased when you and I revere him enough to go the distance, to demonstrate in our lifestyle that inner gladness and that deep pleasure in him. I keep going back to the video. I thought of, and I, can you imagine God's thoughts toward that man just dancing and he's doing his, and he, he did not care about anyone. They stopped him. They were successful enough to stop him initially or to get him to slow, to stop. But they could not keep him down because what was happening on the inside of this man was more than they could pinch or tug or, or, or pull down him to stop. What is happening in you? Is your joy of such that nothing can stop you from, from worshipping in a joyful manner? My second point is that joyous worship entails offering God our treasures. In verses 10 to 11, when the Magi, or what they call the wise men, saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and immediately they bowed down to worship him. What they experienced when they saw this newborn king was deep respect, and they immediately fell in submission before him. Was that your experience this morning? That as you came on and we came together to worship God corporately. Did you experience that deep respect? That gave you the desire to fall before him 
in reverence and worship. The wise men understood that Jesus Christ was worthy of worship and they paid homage due to a royal superior. They opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold. They gave him gifts of incense and myrrh. They came prepared in advance to offer their most valued possession. Gifts that were precious and of worth to them. The people of the East never approach kings and great personages without a present in their hands. In 1 Kings 10.25, when the other kings of the earth sought audience with King Solomon, they brought him gifts. Articles of silver and gold, robes and weapons and spices, horses and mules. It is normal to pay homage or homage to someone we value. Think about it. Your friend is coming over. A friend that you, you're looking forward to being with. What do you do? You prepare a meal or you, you order in. But you have something prepared for them to, to, to eat while they spend the time with you. What about even in the season? For those of us, the friends who mean the most to us, we will get them a gift. And the gift is even determined by the value they, they, they have in your life. Matthew 6.21 tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasures are never limited to our money only. They include our time. Because our treasure can be our time. Our treasure can be our bodies, our minds, and our willingness to use everything of value to us to seek the fulfillment of God's purpose through all acts of obedience to him. Did you bring a gift to offer God in your worship this morning? What gift did you bring? Was it something or is it something from your treasure? Or is it something of little value to you? The gifts the Magi offered Jesus worshipped and honoured him for who he was. And demonstrated how valuable he was to them. They were not after thoughts. They were not gifts that they, on their way, they grabbed at Walmart or grabbed at the dollar store or grabbed at Azan's or grabbed at Tusky supermarket in Kenya. They were gifts prepared in advance to offer him. The gifts that you and I are to bring before the Lord are gifts that we are to prepare and think about in advance. I will give God nothing that did not cost me anything, David says in 1 Samuel 24, 24. So if it did not cost you something, your time, your money, if it did not cost you something of value to you, it is not something worth 
giving to a God who is more than worthy of all that you can offer. Romans 12, 2 tells us the best gift to offer God is our bodies and a renewed mind, which is a living, holy, and acceptable spiritual sacrificial worship to God. Offering God our bodies and minds is with not withholding anything from him, but offering him everything, even our worship. Paul says, as we offer God the best gifts, which is, which is our bodies and our renewed mind, we are able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for us. The wise men offered gold, which was the perfect gift for a king. They offered frankincense, the perfect gift for a priest, and they offered myrrh, an unusual gift for a child, but a substance necessary to embalm the newborn king. From the moment Jesus was born, he was destined to die. What is the significance of your gift this morning? You may say you came without a gift because you did not have anything. But the scripture we read this morning when we were doing tithing and offering says, God provides a seed for the sower. So if you have not sown a seed, it meant that you have, ate, you have eaten a seed. You ate the seed because God provides a seed for the sower. And the seed may just be your mind. It may just be your time. What do you offer the Lord this morning from your treasure? Is it your joyous worship? The third point that I recognize from the scripture this morning is that joyous worship is a lifestyle that requires Preparation. In the letter to the Philippians that we have been looking at from May of, La of this year, Paul instructs believers to always be in a celebratory mode. Paul says, rejoice, 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 rejoice. Rejoice in suffering, rejoice in serving, rejoice in believing, rejoice in giving. Paul was saying, whatever the circumstances that you find yourself in, prepare yourself to be joyful. Because the one you worship is always worthy of your praise. So how is it possible to experience joyous worship, especially in this time of uncertainty? Worship must be driven by the knowledge of who God is. Worship must be informed by the scripture, the scripture that we read, the, the, the messages, the text that we read, the Bible we read should inform us about how we worship. 
And as we read and we, we, we grow in our knowledge of God, we should be growing in our intimacy as we spend time in his word. What I offer God this morning, what you offer God this morning, is a reflection or a result of what you offered him when you were alone. What you offered God in corporate worship is a reflection of what you offer him when you are alone. If your worship was joyless, that's the worship you offer him when you are alone. A joyless worship. If you are distracted and all you wanted to do when we were worshipping was to observe others, to watch them to home, that is what you do when you spend time alone with him. In Psalm 34, 1-3, King David was consumed by the notion that God can and because of that, he wills his mind, his soul, and his body to worship by declaring, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will praise the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips. David says, my soul will boast in the Lord. David was declaring, he was declaring over his mind, he was declaring over his mouth, he was declaring over his body and his soul. This is what I will be doing. I will do this. Not only was David speaking about the present, he was also speaking about the future. I will rejoice. I will praise. Is that your declaration this morning? I will praise the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips. To live a lifestyle that is joyous, to live a lifestyle of joyous worship, one must be led by the Holy Spirit rather than emotion. Think with me. You have a bottle of Coke, soda, Coke. And as you pour it in a glass, the natural thing is that when the Coke or the Pepsi is being poured, it starts to fizz, right? And as it fizzes, you will end up with a full glass because the, the, the fizz rises to the top. But once the fizz is gone, you no longer have a full glass. What you have is a half full glass of Coke. And the truth is, if, you are, if your worship is emotional, what you're doing, you're worshiping from a half full glass. Because the emotion that would cause you to jump, when that fizz leaves you, you are left half empty. And that is why you can say, I don't feel like worshipping. I am going to observe. And you may not literally say that through words. But your action speaks based on what you do. 
Worship that is led by the Holy Spirit requires a combination of spirit and truth. Jesus in his discourse with the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, 23-24 declares that the only true worshipper worships the Father in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit. God is not emotions. So if you find that Every time you worship, you are worshiping. When you have a good day, you will, you will rejoice and you will shout and you will sing and you will clap and you will dance. Be careful. God is spirit. God isn't emotion. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus quotes Isaiah 29, 13 and he criticizes the hypocrite. Hypocritical and vain and insincere worship of the Pharisees. And he says, Your actions and your attitudes are not in sync. Because your lips are saying one thing, but your hearts are not obeying. What is your lip and your heart saying? Are they in sync this morning? Because as Ruth started out, she says, joy is an inward reality resulting in an outward lifestyle. Spirit without truth worship is shallow and is overly emotional. Spirit without truth is shallow and is overly emotional. But truth, the reverse. Truth without spirit worship is joyless, dry, and passionless worship. Spirit without truth is emotional and shallow. Truth, which is knowledge without the spirit, is joyless, dry, and passionless worship. But the combination of both spirit and truth leads to joyous appreciation of God. The more you and I know God, the more we appreciate him and revere him and value him. The more we appreciate him, revere him and value him, the deeper our worship and our joy. The deeper our worship and our joy the more he is glorified in our lives. So how do you prepare for corporate worship on Sunday mornings? Do you just wake up, put some clothes on, grab some clothes on and come? Or do you prepare as the way, the way you prepare for work on Monday morning, where you ensure that your clothes is ironed, your lunch bag is packed, you endeavor that to get enough sleep so that you will be mentally prepared the day? Or do you just come, having nothing to offer the Lord, bringing nothing to co that cost you anything? Let me tick off today that today was done. Tick, I went to church. The newborn king was worshipped and honored by the wise men for who he was. He was the king. He was the priest. Who was born to die on a cross? To save the world. So how do you worship him? How does your worship honor him? 
Is it joyous that would bring him glory? Is it joyous that would bring him honor? Is it a joy that flows out of love and adoration and reverence for him? This morning I want you to think. Paul in Romans 12 verse 12 says, Be joyful in hope. So when you come on a Sunday morning, the hope that you have alone should cause you to be joyful. If you are hopeful. So stop and reflect this morning. Why am I not joyful about God? Why am I not joyful about God? Why am I not joyful about God? Is it that my circumstances that surrounds me, is it that my circumstances is dictating or are dictating my attitude? Check. Were you, would I be able to pull you this morning the way that guy was pulled in the video this morning? Were you that jubilant about God this morning? Or did you come this morning offering him a lackluster worship? My lips and my heart should be in sync. My lips and my heart should be in sync. And yes, we all have different personalities. But I've yet to see an introvert at a, at a, at a, sport thing, a re, sporting event that sits when his favorite team wins and says, that's very good. That's how introverts behave. They just sit. No matter how introverted people are, we, we are joyful over the things that mean a lot to us. A pay increase will always get us. Why are you not as joyful about the Lord? Check it. Check it out. What happened? Why you have lost your joy? Or maybe you just never had it from the beginning. But this morning, I pray that as you hear me share about joyous worship, that you will desire to be joyful as you worship the Lord. That you will desire to offer him that inner gladness and pleasure that you experience from being with him I pray this morning that your inner gladness and your inner pleasure will result naturally from the inner assurance and confidence that you have in God that in spite of the circumstances that you will face and have been facing, that you will offer to God something 
that is of worth to him. Take out your treasures. Stop offering the things from Dollar Tree. Stop giving him the things from Azan's and Tusky's Pastor Larry. Give him something that costs you something. Offer him something that means a lot to you. Give him your time. Spend time with him. Spend time with him. He gave all for you and for me. And he's not coming back for joyless people. Paul in Philippians 1 says, Whatever happened, live as citizens of heaven. Whatever happened, conduct your lives representing the kingdom from which you belong. And if you claim, and if you and I claim that we belong to the kingdom of heaven, we would never be joyless. I've yet to see in the scriptures where the angels come to bring good news or to bring news to man and they are joyless. In Luke 2, when they brought the news to the shepherd, the scripture says the host of heaven, the angelic host, rejoice. The newborn king is born. He was not coming to save them. They did not need a savior. Yet you and I who are in need of a savior are joyless. Can you believe that? So I pray today that as you reflect on the video that you watch today, that you will be mindful that nothing will hinder your joy. It may be someone, it may be a situation, but whatever it is, be determined like that guy. Be determined like David. I will praise. I will dance. I will sing. Jobless, I will sing. I will praise. Lonely, I will sing. I will praise. Homeless, I will sing. I will praise. I will dance. Let us be resolute this morning in our stance. God, I will praise you no matter what. I will praise you hungry i'll praise you covid i'll praise you compulsory vaccine i'll praise you no matter what i'll praise you lord because i know that you are in control so I don't praise him because I'm wondering. I don't praise him because I'm trying to, to get my way. I praise him because I know who he is. And I pray this morning, that will be your stance. Be as joyful this morning as you normally are when you find joy in something so thank you this morning thank you this morning and so father I thank you this morning for your word I am mindful Lord that we came to the line with various circumstances trials tribulations some came joyful some did not sleep because of whatever reason 
And Father, I thank you this morning that you are showing us, Lord, this morning that we do not worship you because we feel to worship you. We worship you because we get to worship you, the King of Kings. Lord, Lord, I do not want my worship to be like that glass that the fizz has left and I am left flat and wondering, how do I worship? Lord, I want to come with a empty half full. I want to come giving you, pouring out my all on you and thanking you, God, for what you have done. Thanking you for who you are. Thanking you for what you will do. Thank you that you come back as a reigning king. You're not coming back, God, to, to die again on a cross. You're coming back for people who know who you are and are ready to be with you in your joyful kingdom. So let us rehearse. Let us be dressed and ready. Dress rehearsal time. Let us be ready to praise. And so if today you have never chosen Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Today is the day to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day to experience the joy that comes from the joy giver himself. And if you're already a believer, God is saying to you, dress rehearsal. Don't wait on the morning to know how it is done. Start to prepare from now by spending time with him and allow him, him to pour his joy in you to overflowing. So I thank you this morning for coming and being with us. And I pray that you will live joyful, rejoicing, giving God joyous worship that flows out from an inner reality that can never be contained by circumstances. Thank you this morning and have a blessed day.